Today's show is sponsored by Spoonflower. If you're a creative person who loves to design, there's nothing quite like the feeling of seeing your art printed onto fabric or better yet, seeing someone across the globe purchase it and make something amazing. Spoonflower is the first company to make it possible to digitally print custom fabric, wallpaper, and gift wrap with no minimums and no limitations of colors. Shop from thousands of indie designs or sell your own designs and earn up to 15% commission on every sale. The best part? As an independent seller, you always keep the rights to your work. While She Naps podcast listeners can get 15% off your next Spoonflower fabric order with the code ABBY17. That's A B B Y 1 7. Learn more at try.spoonflower.com slash Abby. That's try.spoonflower.com slash Abby. And now here's the show. Welcome to episode 88 of the Walshy Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Today, we're talking about building a business in fashion sewing with my guest, Mimi Goodwin, who you might know as Mimi G. Mimi is a mother, a businesswoman, and an award-winning trend expert and editor-in-chief of the popular fashion, lifestyle, and DIY blog, MimiGStyle.com. What started off as a hobby in her Los Angeles home in 2012 has blossomed into an international brand with daily engagement of more than 1 million followers. Mimi's blog has become the vehicle through which she lives her passion to empower and motivate women of all ages and walks of life to embrace their power, find their voice, and discover and walk in their purpose. Since 2014, Mimi has partnered with Simplicity Creative Group to create, produce, and market pattern designs with with the Mimi G Style for Simplicity Pattern Collection. The collection features over 15 patterns for the modern and curvy woman, and it's accompanied with a video tutorial from Mimi. Mimi's also collaborated with brands such as Target and Google, Macy's, ULTA, The Home Depot, The Recording Academy, Coca-Cola, Verizon, Kellogg, Revlon, Steve Madden, and more. She's been featured on Essence.com, InStyle Magazine, Vanity Fair, Rolling Out Magazine, and was awarded Best Latina Blogger by Hispanicize in 2015. More recently, Mimi was featured on Lifetime TV's Project Runway Jr. as a mentor and design consultant for young designers. Mimi Goodwin, welcome. Thank you. I sound so fancy in that intro. <laughs> <laughs> You're very fancy. Let's just get real here. <laughs> um, so I saw your presentation at SoPro a few months ago, and I was just so struck by you, by your how dynamic you are and how confident you are in yourself and in your business. And so it's great to have a chance to sit down and talk and get a little bit more of your background and hear your story. So Take me back a little bit to how you got your start. I know that the road to where you are now, which is this fantastic business, was not (laughs) always totally straight and totally smooth. I know there were some some rocky parts along the way. So I think it's good to begin with that history. And I know you were born in Puerto Rico. I was. I was born in Puerto Rico um, and my mom left shortly after I was maybe, I think I was about two or three years old. And we uh, went to Chicago where the rest of my family was. And uh, my mom was a single mom most of my life. And, um, you know, she worked really hard 
sometimes two full-time jobs and um, but, you know, we we come from a very dysfunctional family. I think, uh, unfortunately, that seems to be a common thread nowadays. And we, we, need, we really need to do something about that. But um, we had, you know, a lot of things in our family that were very difficult. And, you know, I was a, a product of sexual assault as a, as a child um, and as a teen. And then shortly after, I, I just... I couldn't handle a lot of what was going on. And I thought, you know, at 15, you think you can do just about anything. So I ran away from home and came to California. And, you know, I've made my my way through through California over the last 20 something years. But, you know, that did came with a lot of, you know, really bad moments. I've been homeless twice in Los Angeles, once uh, with my old now oldest daughter. Um, I, you know, I came I got married really young so that I could sort of get my myself together, I thought, you know, I could build a home for myself, but that, that marriage was very violent, very, um, really bad. Um, so I, I went through a couple of years of domestic violence and trying to get out of that cycle. Um, and then I just, um, I started working and taking care of, you know, my, my kids. I was a single mom. I was working all the time and I was, um, in a place where I think I felt that, um, I was meant to do something greater than what I was doing. Um, and although I worked in a pretty um, fun industry, I worked in, in film and production and we got to do a lot of traveling. I got to meet a lot of celebrities and, um, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. And I knew that, um, it wasn't fulfilling. So I remember sitting in the office, I had come home one day and I had had a rough day at work and I walked in and the kids were hungry and they were, you know, mommy, mommy, mommy. And I, I went into my bathroom and I had like a, a nervous breakdown. I, I just cried hysterically. I don't know how it seemed like forever. And then I gathered myself and went out and made dinner for the kids. And I think at that moment, I thought, I have to figure something out. And so I did. I started trying to figure out what was what made me happy, what I enjoyed doing. So I started sewing again on and off. I started doing handbags, just things that I like doing for myself. And, um, and then um, I got remarried. And, uh, you know, I was the sole breadwinner at the time for, for my household. So I had a lot of pressure to, you know, make sure all the bills got paid. And, and at the end of the day, I would come home when I was exhausted. And I thought, you know, maybe I'll start blogging. And at the time, I had a, a couple of people that I was following, you know, sewing bloggers, home sewers. And I thought, I, I think I could do this, you know, kind of blog about what I'm doing. So I started it mostly as a diary for myself so that at the end of the year, I could look back and one, it gave me something to do that was outside of my everyday life um, that kind of brought me a little bit of peace and joy. And then um, I started to realize that people had an interest in what I was doing. And so I you know, decided that if I put a little focus and effort into um, what I was doing that maybe I could make a business out of it. Now I had no idea it was going to turn into this, but you know, I thought maybe I could sell a couple of tutorials now and then. Do you, um, um, do you remember what the first blog was that you read or how you even found a blog way back in the beginning of sort of becoming aware that blogging was something? Yeah, actually, you know how I found out is that, you know, I was still sewing for myself, you know, every now and then I, I would, I would sew and I was sewing commercial patterns. Um, and I had come across patternreview.com mm -hmm. and I loved it because I thought, oh, this is genius. You know, you never know how a pattern is going to come out when, <laughs> and, and to have a place that you could go and pull up a pattern and see if anyone's made it and then see what they thought about it and any review, you know, tips or techniques that they gave. I thought it was genius. 
Well, what happens is when you go on there and you read somebody's um, post, um, a lot of times they'll say, you know, more pictures on the blog. And so I would click on it and it would take me to these to these websites. And I thought, oh, this is really cool. It's like a, an online journal of sorts. And that's really how I started to figure out that people had blogs. I, I really didn't even know what they were at the time. I just thought only journalists and reporters and things like that had, you know, blogs and journals. But um, I got hooked. I was like looking at, you know, as many people as I could. And I was like, wow, they're, you know, this is like a community. Um, and so it kind of piqued my interest. And I thought, well, I'll start and, you know, see what happens. Um, and so did you, I, I know that you, well, let's talk a little bit of going back just about how you learn how to sew. I know you mm-hmm. learn how to sew when you were, um, when you were younger, you had an aunt mm-hmm. who sewed. Yes. My, on my dad's side, um, I have an aunt who's a seamstress. She did a lot of, um, evening wear and bridal gowns. And so during the summers, my mom would fly me to Puerto Rico to spend the summers with my dad. And that's where I learned I would go and I would sit in her in her design room and I would watch her and I could be there all day. And I would pick up all her little scraps and hand sew my Barbie clothes. And um, when I was 12, my dad noticed that I had a real interest. And so he bought me my first Kenmore sewing machine. And, and that's, I mean, that's really all it took. I started taking apart my clothes, which <laughs> didn't make him too happy, but that's how I started to learn construction. Cause I would take everything apart, copy it, make my own patterns and then sew everything back together. Um, and that kind of was the beginning of, of me learning to sew and, and my mom encouraged it. Um, I remember when I was with her, um, you know, after leaving, uh, Puerto Rico for a while and, my mom had an event. I think it was a wedding that she had to go to. And she um, she was looking for a dress. And I said, oh, mom, I'll make you a dress. And, you know, she was <laughs> kind enough to be like, yeah, OK, sure. So I did. I We went out and we bought this red. I couldn't tell you what it was now, but some red fabric. And I made her this dress. And the hemline was uneven and the neckline was horrendous. Um, but she wore it to the to the event. And I think that's probably when I realized that um, that I really want to do this. Then. Were you always like motivated by fashion? Was it always about sort of dressing yourself or dre- in that case, dressing someone else? Or I mean, was that what was really like, were you wearing kind of unique clothes before you learned to sew or sort of talk a little bit about how your style developed? Yeah, I think I've always been into into fashion. Um, I think it was always a way for me to express myself. Um, I never really cared too much what was trending. Still don't. Um, it was kind of just whatever I thought was cool, whatever I felt comfortable in. And I, um, you probably remember Punky Brewster. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, I loved Punky Brewster. I, I, I would dress like Punky Brewster. <laughs> I had different <laughs> colored socks and shoes. <laughs> I, um, I was pretty adventurous, I guess. I think sewing for me was... Um, was a way to create. And I've always been pretty artistic. I love to draw and color and um, knit and crochet. So anything crafty was always really amazing to me that you could turn, you know, a piece of fabric into wear something wearable. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I learned to sew, I thought, oh, I guess, you know, I could make myself whatever I want. And, and at that age, I, I, I wanted to be a fashion designer in my head. That's what I thought I wanted to be. So I would always design and sketch and draw pictures and um, so sewing just seemed like the next thing to to do to learn, right? And so, okay, so you had this job in well, it was in in the movie business in some way, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. And that didn't involve sewing, though, right? 
No, not okay, at all. Right. Okay. So, and so you were, you, you sort of wanted to, to get back to the real you, right? Like to get back in touch with the things about yourself that made you feel good. And, um, you know, after that sort of moment in the bathroom of being like, oh my God, something's going to have to change. Um, and so, and you discovered these blogs. Um, and so how did, do you remember like sort of sitting down and being like, I got to come up with a name for it and I got to figure out how this whole thing works? I did. You know, I, um, I'm a research junkie. Like, uh, you know, everything I've, I've taught myself to do, I've, I've done it either via book or Google or some, some form of self teaching. Um, and so, you know, I remember, you know, having to learn how to, you know, design a logo. And so I would buy a book or when I made my first website or when I had to, you know, um, decide on colors or formats, like all these things I would just, you know, I love to learn. And I still, I'm still that way today. You know, if I don't know how to do something, I'll just buy a book or Google it or, you know, figure out, figure out some way to, to, to learn it. And so that's what I did. And I, I remember, um, to kind of looking to see what a lot of people were using. And at the time blogger was, was really popular and it was free and super easy to kind of, you know, just log in and start typing and add a picture. So that's, that's where I started. And I remember trying to figure out a name. Gosh, I've had a lot of names, Abby. Some we don't want to recall. <laughs> but um, we had, you know, domestic, hey, domestic something at the, at, you know, when we first started. And then I changed it to Simply Mimi. And then um, I ended up with just Mimi G style. I don't even know how that came about, but um, that's that's where I kind of got stuck and, and went with that. <laughs> And was teaching always sort of part of this? Because it seems like, um, so I went back on on YouTube, because I know we're going to talk a little bit um, about YouTube in just a few minutes, but I know that you love YouTube and, and you use YouTube really well. And so I went way back to the oh, beginning. <laughs> I know, right? Like to the very first YouTube video that, at least the first one that I could find. Um, and in your, maybe you remember this one, but you have... Um, a piece of vinyl, black vinyl that you got, I think, at Joanne's, and you've made it into a skirt, and you wanted to make it sort of more colorful or different than just plain kind of, and you, as you said in the video, like cheap looking black vinyl. <laughs> so you take this like sort of copper paint. Oh, I painted it. Do you remember <laughs> this? And you like sponge it all. And it actually does look really cool at the end. Um, and you sponge it all over. And then and you're just like wearing a T-shirt. You're clearly just like in your front room or whatever with like a phone or I don't even know if you had if there was like, <laughs> you know, good movies on phones at that time, but something pretty easy. You know, there's no like beautiful set and beautiful lighting or anything like that. It's just like really simple. But you're like showing us, hey, you know what? You can take something that you find that's pretty cheap and you can make it look expensive and you can make it look stylish. And so there must have been way back when that like a, a sort of impulse to say, let me show you how to do this. Yeah, I think um, in 2010, I I had um, the opportunity to I, I that's when I thought I want to be a fashion designer. And so I had the opportunity to design a collection and take it to, to runway here in, in Los Angeles. And, um, the experience was, was great. I had, you know, at the end I did the walk and I felt, um, accomplished and I felt good about what I had done, but I hated the process, the entire process of being a fashion designer in the sense of, you know, you don't have a lot of money, 
And it really, it all becomes about having to sell your, your collection and not so much about the creative side of it. And I thought, I don't think I want to do this. Like, I don't enjoy this part. Once the sketching and the designing is over, then it became not fun. And so um, I think that's when I realized that the parts that I liked more were the parts um, where I got to teach other people how to do things. That's really what I like doing. So when I started the blog, um, I had blogged on and off, gosh, since maybe 2008, but I would blog and then disappear for six months and then I would blog. And it wasn't until 2012 that I decided, okay, I'm, I'm going to really, um, you know, try to blog on a consistent basis. And I thought, well, aside from just sewing, I want to be able to teach people what I'm doing. And that came about because I remember posting um, a, a, a pattern that I had made, a commercial pattern. I think it was a butterick. And I got a lot of comments about, oh, I would have never purchased that uh, pattern had I not seen you make it up. And what I realized is that a lot of people, even um, you know, people who sew, don't have a lot of vision. And so unfortunately, when you look at the pattern envelope, unless you're able to turn it around and look at the line drawing, a lot of people kind of get stuck and say, oh, I can't see beyond what's on the cover of that pattern envelope. And so I thought, well, I could teach people how to modify all of these patterns. And that's really where the beginning of Mimi G Style started was just making modifications. Right. Yeah. No, I can totally see that because your spin on it, and as you said, I think that's the right word, your vision for like how this garment can come together, whether it's fabric or how it's styled or, you know, just modifications that you're going to make to it, um, that vision and then the way it looks on you with accessories and shoes and, and you know, the way that, that you carry it um, helps people see the opportunity that that pattern offers. And that's something that a blog can really convey really nicely. So, right. um, so I know that you, so you had this tutorial, this this one tutorial that kind of was the beginning of it being something that was more than just a journal, something for reflection, to look back on at the end of the year and sort of see your progress and, you know, look at your projects that you had made. There was like a skirt. I remember you talking about at SoPro that people said, hey, can I get the pattern for that? Maybe it was something you had made up. And then after that, it um, it sort of did become something you could make money from. So can you just tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah, the Regal Maxi, that that tutorial, I had made a, a skirt for myself, sort of along the lines of uh, Oscar de la Renta. It was a long maxi skirt with a really big uh, bow that I made from a sash. And I had posted it on the blog and people went really crazy over this <laughs> this skirt and were asking to buy it. And, you know, I kept saying, I, I don't sew for hire. I will, you know, I'll tell you how I made it. Uh, but I, I, you know, I don't I don't sew. For, for other people. And um, I remember being, you know, asked consistently about this, this skirt and it had been pinned a lot. And it was, you know, um, get I was getting a lot of emails um, about wanting to make the skirt or learn to make the skirt or even buy the skirt. And so I thought, you know what, I, I found myself, it was nearing Christmas. And I thought, I really need some extra cash. I'm going to take a couple of orders for the skirt. So I posted on the blog that I was for the next 24 hours, I was going to, you know, take orders for the skirt. And then that was it. And so I did, I put it on the blog. I set up my PayPal account. I went to bed. I woke up the next morning and I had thousands of dollars in my bank, in my PayPal account and a bunch of orders that I now had to fill. And I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) So I am a true procrastinator. 
So I uh, I waited to the very last minute. Thank God I gave myself, I think, three to four weeks. I told everybody, don't expect these skirts for at least three to four weeks. But I waited to like week four. And then I was in my studio sewing like a mad woman, trying to get all of these orders out. I was crying. I was like not, I hadn't slept in 24 hours. There was fabric all over the place. The kids were hand sewing buttons. I mean, like everybody was working. And I thought, oh my gosh, I never want to do this again in my life. But I got all the skirts out. And I remember sitting there happy that I had the money, but all, but also like, man, I don't know if this money is worth like that having to sit and sew the same skirt, you know, 50 times. Because after I sew something, I don't want to sew it ever again. And so I thought, what if I could just make a video and show them how I made the skirt? And so I did. That was like, I, you know, I got a camera, I set it up and I did my very first tutorial and I did it as a download because I had seen other, had purchased other tutorials online myself. So I went to those and to see how they had set it up. And, um, and I thought, well, it's a digital download and maybe I'll make a couple, you know, a couple dollars for, from it. And it's sold like hotcakes. It's actually still my number one selling tutorial, even after all these years, um, which I have to refilm because it's really bad quality, <laughs> quality. But that's when I realized, oh, wait a minute. Um, I think I could possibly you know, make a living from, or at least some side money from, from doing these tutorials. I want to take a moment now to talk about our sponsor of today's episode, Spoonflower. Spoonflower is a pretty amazing company. About a year and a half ago, I was in North Carolina and had the opportunity to stop in and get a tour of Spoonflower headquarters. And I was so impressed. All the fabrics are printed right there on these massive digital printers, and there's almost no waste. You can get really small runs of any design you can think of, which is such a cool thing about digital printing. I personally am not a fabric designer. I don't aspire to be a fabric designer. So what I do is I go to the Spoonflower Marketplace and I search for designs by keyword. And there's tons of awesome designs on there and some incredibly impressive designers get their start on Spoonflower. I sew a lot of softies and dolls and I love to use fleece, but one of the things that's been a long time source of frustration for me is that all the fleece available on the market at the regular big box stores has this large scale prints, like it's made to be used with blankets or something like that, but it's totally unsuited then for using small, using for small projects like making a doll. On Spoonflower, I can choose any print, including small scale and ditzy prints, and have it printed on super soft fleece or even on minky. And I can order just a half yard or a fat quarter if that's all I need. And if you have a business and want to make lots of something using Spoonflower fabric, Spoonflower offers wholesale discounts on their fabrics. For me, Spoonflower is an incredible tool to get unique fabrics for projects. It's the combination of technology and art, and it enables artists and makers to do more and do it better. So visit try.spoonflower.com slash Abby and use that coupon code, Abby17. It'll save you 15% on your order, and you can just give it a try and see how you like it. Thank you so much, Spoonflower. And now back to my conversation with Mimi. Right. And so did the blog change at that moment, right? So you get this taste of, 
um, you know, passive income, <laughs> which is the <laughs> ticket to success, at least a ticket to success. Yeah. It's certainly been the ticket to my success as well. And, um, and it's a pretty nice thing that, that being an online, uh, you know, retailer and blogger affords you because you've got this online audience. And so, <laughs> so once you get a taste of it, I think it's super motivated. Like there's nothing more motivating than that success, right? So you, you're like, okay, yeah. wait, now I got to do more. So did, did your goals change or mindset change or did, did you feel sort of things shift after that moment? Yeah, I did. Because, you know, that year, that very first year, um, the blog grew really fast. And um, I hadn't, you know, because to me, it was always still it was a hobby. Um, I wasn't taking into account anything at all. To me, it was just, oh, my gosh, I have extra money this month, you know. And what happened is at the end of that year, PayPal sends you a 1099K and um, I opened it thinking like, what the heck is this? And at that point, you know, the only way that I took payment. So everything I had made from the blog went went through that. And so I opened it up and I was like, I made $23,000 from where is that $23,000? And I thought, oh, my gosh, like. I did that with absolutely zero intent or focus. That was just, you know, a couple of tutorials that I had done that that were popular. And so I thought if I if I refocus and 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 really try and, um, you know, pick the parts of the blog that are that are the most popular and focus on those things and create more tutorials on, you know, a, a more consistent basis. I could make a pretty good living from this. And so that's what I started to do. I started to really take the blog seriously because at that point it was still just something fun I was doing. But then I thought, I, okay, I have to take this serious. I have to be you know, more responsible about my scheduling, um, you know, blogging on a consistent basis, being able to provide better quality videos. So I started like upgrading my camera and you know, researching lighting and trying to do as much as I could. Um, because I, I could see at that point that, and mind you, I still wasn't aware of how popular the internet was when it came to, you know, um, having an online presence. I was still very unaware of that, but I could see that, um, that I could, I had potential to do something with this, even if it was just a really great way to supplement some income. Um, and then, you know, after year two, I was, um, making more than I was making at my full-time job. And that's when I thought, you know what, I think I'm going to quit now. (laughs) And so I did April of the following year, I quit my job and, and Mimi G style became my, my full-time everything. Right. Yeah. That's such an interesting story because I think, um, you know, there, they talk in business, you know, business lingo about product market fit and all of this stuff where basically you're floating a balloon to see whether people actually want this idea that you have. And I think that's a step right. a lot of people skip. Um, sometimes somebody will say, Oh, I really like that, that you made that. Will you make one for me? Oh, you should sell those on Etsy and it kind of like suggests that you have a business, um, without, and you kind of jump in without really understanding, like, is there a big enough market for this? And, right. I also think like it's, it's instructive to hear like you've made 
not mistakes, but like you've gone down some dead ends. Like you did a fashion show and you mm-hmm. made a whole line and you walked the runway and you felt what that was like and you didn't like it. And then right. you made work for commission, like commission skirts, you know, people asking, can I make these for me? <laughs> and you did it and it was successful and you felt what it was like and you didn't like the way it felt. And right. then, you know, so in other words, like all of these different steps and they're not a waste of time. You know, they're they're like, I had to see how it felt for me. And then you did this skirt video and, and it, it took off and you liked the way it felt. And it was like, right. okay, that's the right, you know, that's the right thing. And there's a demand for it, like enough demand for it, that by yeah. accident, you can make over $20,000. <laughs> so, right? Like sort of not by accident, but you know what I mean? Without being like, yeah, I'm going to make all the, you know, really working, you know? Yeah, well, you know, I think that a lot of times when when um, we start businesses, especially I think in, for creatives, um, we don't often take the time to see what it is that people are interested in. A lot of times we, we get so focused on our art and what we want to give to people. Um, but really, it was more about what my audience wanted to see and less about what I wanted to do. Because once I realized, OK, this is where their interest is, um, then I refocused and made the blog you know, primarily DIY and also fashion sewing, because at the time there were a lot of sewing blogs. There were a lot of craft blogs, um, but there were very few fashion sewing blogs that were only doing fashion sewing and taking a commercial pattern to modify it to look like something that I had just seen, you know, in a Prada show or um, something on on a runway. So um, a, a lot of times what we unfortunately do is we go in, the, in what we think is going to be the direction of money. And I actually work the opposite. I, my goal is, is never money. My goal is always to be able to share what I like to do. And I think when you do something because you truly enjoy it and because you listen to the people who are kind of, you know, encouraging you in all the good ways, um, you can you can give more of yourself earnestly. And I think for the first year and a half of the blog, I did so many free tutorials and free videos and I really just wanted to share. Like I was, I had all this information in my body and I thought I want to be able to give it to people so that they they can do what I'm doing too. And I think from that really just came, you know, everything else that that followed along with that. And I think that at the point where I turned my blog into a, a way to monetize, I think my audience felt like, you know, Mimi gives us so much freely that when they purchase something, they feel like they're they're just helping. They're helping to encourage me to continue and really kind of just being supportive of, of what I do. Because um, if, if everything that you do is always based around how much money you're going to earn from it, then I think you've already started down the wrong path. Yeah, I like, I mean, I think there's really a feeling of reciprocity that people have. And that's sort of part of human nature where if you feel like someone's really given you a lot over time, when they ask for something, you're just much more likely to support them and want to be part of their story, you know? Yeah. And so um, it's your honor to buy something <laughs> at that moment, you know? <laughs> I mean, I've definitely felt that way with people being like, oh, she released this. I would love to buy it from her, you right. know, just have that wonderful feeling of just being part of her story, you know, being Absolutely. a supporter. Um, but it does come with, you know, feeling like that person really gave to you for a long time. 
Right. Um, and I think that that back and forth is super important. So um, I want to talk a little bit about the way that you look. You, I mean, you're beautiful. You look really beautiful. Um, and I, it's like striking to me of really short hair. And, um, and, you know, I think part of my hesitancy as far as like sewing clothing for myself is that you have to sort of confront your own body, your own measurements and <laughs> that kind of thing, you know. And I wonder when you were younger, when you were growing up and, you know, those teenage years and all of that, did you, I mean, what did you think about your, the way you looked and, and how did you feel about your body? And has that changed over time? Yeah, I, well, you know, I think I was more confident young when I was younger about my body, oddly enough. Um, I was very thin, um, but I was shapely. And, you know, in my culture, um, having a big butt is a good thing. <laughs> so I always had, you know, a, 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 I guess, relatively nice figure. Um, and so I was pretty confident when I was younger. In my teenage years, I wore whatever I wanted. And, you know, when I turned 30, my body just, it just stopped. It just completely changed and I couldn't eat what I wanted anymore. And after I had my son, um, I found it really hard to get back to my pre-baby baby size. And I think I started to have a lot of issues with, you know, how I was feeling because I wasn't that pre-baby size. And I went through a, a, a really long time, you know, kind of um, talking badly about myself to myself, you know, looking in the mirror and being like, oh, my God, you, you know you've gained more weight or you're, you know, I see more cellulite or, oh my God, I got, you know, these wrinkles over here. Um, but I think in sewing, um, I, I think it, it helps me because it helped me because I could make clothing that I knew was going to fit me because I knew my body, which always made me feel better than going to a retail store and trying on a bunch of clothes that didn't, fit me. And that just made me feel really badly about myself. So actually sewing made kind of the, the weight up and down and the, the body issues that I had, um, a lot more bearable for me. Cause I could almost hide whatever I wasn't liking that month because mm -hmm. I could make it myself. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of women feel that way about sewing, that being able to make something that truly fits you and not mm -hmm. having to necessarily go to the store and be like, oh, I used to be a size six and now I'm a size 10 and not having to have that whole experience or there's nothing in this entire store that's mm -hmm. going to fit me, you know, um, to not yeah. have to feel that way, but to simply say like, it's just a number, it's 34, you know, like yeah. that's the number and you just exactly. make the, make it that length and then that's the right length and it's not about size that way. Um, yeah. yeah. And being able to have something that truly fits your body is customized to your body. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about pattern making because, um, you know, you've, you've said that you're self-taught and do a lot of research and, um, sort of started Mimi G style with this idea of modifying commercial patterns and showing people what was possible with them. Um, and then you got this, um, pattern line with simplicity. So mm -hmm. did you go through a process of learning how to actually draft and grade a women's sewing pattern? Oh no. <laughs> you didn't. Okay. So no. tell, talk about that. Or even with this skirt pattern, I mean, how did you figure out how to how to make this? Because I think that's a stumbling block for a lot of people. They have the ideas, but figuring out how to actually make something that you can then market um, and sell well, is hard. Well, you know, the, the Regal Maxi skirt, when I took it apart, I, I was trying to figure out how, how to simplify it. 
See, I think that the reason my videos became so popular is that I'm a really bad student. I would sit in, in class and I could listen to my teacher talk all day. And the minute I leave class, I don't remember anything she said. But if, if, I, if you show me how to do something that I physically can do with my hands, I retain it forever. And, but I need, I need step by step in order for me to learn. So that's kind of how I started to teach. So my videos are all very step by step kind of instruction, which is, um, you know, I found out how a lot of people need to, you know, need to learn. So when I did my videos um, and specifically that Regal Maxi skirt, I knew that I could make it literally from rectangles and squares. And so that's what I did. And then I, I literally just sat there trying to figure out the math so that as many, you know, different size women could make it. And so I designed it so that you could make it for, you know, a five-year-old or, you know, a 60-year-old. It really didn't matter because it was literally squares and rectangles. And then um, as I kept continued doing my tutorials, none of them are printable patterns. All of them are all drafted from measurements. And so the reason I didn't have to really learn grading in order to teach somebody else to do, I know how to do it for myself, was that because we draft from their own measurements, there's, I don't need to teach them how to grade up or down. Um, so that's really how all of the tutorials are done. And as they go you know, through, they actually start to learn some basic pattern drafting, like you know, basic bodice and a basic um, skirt sloper. And then we start putting all of those pieces together um, I've learned how to do a lot of things really just out of necessity because I, you know, I get to a certain point. I'm like, I don't know how to do this. I've never done this before. And so, you know, I, I, um, I research it or I, you know, buy a book or whatever I need to do. And I learned to do it. And I tell, you know, I, I started launched the Soit Academy earlier this year. And I tell my students. Do you students, want to just tell people a little bit what is the Soit Academy so people can check it out? Soitacademy.com is a, it's a subscription site where we teach sewing from the very beginning. So like literally the first class is us going through like taking a sewing machine out of a box and like, this is a sewing machine. <laughs> this is a needle. This is thread. Um, and the reason I did is because I really wanted to give people not just a, a bunch of one, you know, one off tutorials. I wanted people to learn to sew the right way with, you know, with basic skills that they build on giving them a good foundation. So I designed this, the academy as an online school so that every course builds on the course that, you know, that they previously had. And so the skills grow with each class and we learn all the different techniques before we even get into sewing garments. Um, and then I think we're in course nine that we're about to film for January for this month. And, um, and it's been amazing because so many people want to learn to sew, but one, they don't have classes near them or they have to lug their sewing machine, or people are busy. They just don't, don't have a lot of time. And so I wanted it to be convenient, which is why you can log on. And um, the minute you sign up, you get access to every course that we've done you know, to date. And then um, you can work at your own pace because the courses don't expire as long as you're a paid member. Um, and it's inexpensive. It's you know, less than $12 a month. That, that you can learn, you know, really great skills. So um, that's why we, we started the Soed Academy. And it's been, I think, my, um, my proudest project to date. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And I think you were sort of ahead of the curve because when did that launch? That launched um, earlier this year. And I'll tell you, the reason I did is I've been following a lot of sites, or last year, um, yeah, um, 
May of last year. Of yeah, last year. It's so weird to say because we're just in January, but <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I have you know there's a lot of sewing kind of membership sites, but they're a little pricey, um, and not everybody can afford to pay you know thirty forty dollars for one class. Um, and you know, in learning to sew, you need a lot of classes. You need a lot of different classes that teach you a lot of different skills, a lot of different techniques over a period of time without it being overwhelming or in terms that you're not going to understand. Um, so, you know, I wanted to make it easy for everybody and affordable for most people. Yeah, I think having a membership site and doing e-courses is like a really good way to earn a living doing what you do. And so I think that's great. And I think, um, like I said, I think you're ahead of the curve because I feel like that's where I th- this is heading. Um and an online business. And so that's, it's amazing that you have that foundation set up now. And um, so I know you do a lot on YouTube. And I wondered if you, uh, I want to talk a little bit about sponsored posts, too, because that's also a way that um, we read in the in the um, in the intro about all the different partnerships that you've that you've had. And that's a way that you make money um, for your business. So do you want to talk a little bit both about sort of YouTube and what you've learned about what works on YouTube and then a little bit about sponsored content and um, how you find sponsorships if you work with a, a blogger network or, or how that works and what guides you when you're choosing, you know, who, which ones to accept and that kind of thing? Um, YouTube, you know, I, I love YouTube. I actually have neglected my YouTube channel quite a bit over the last six months because we've had a lot of projects coming up and it's, you know, the more the more work comes in, the more projects come up, the less time I seem to be having for all the fun stuff. But YouTube is great um, because, you know, we're in a place where everybody wants to learn to do things themselves. You know, we're in a very kind of hands-on DIY world for sure. And YouTube is great because you can log on to YouTube and pretty much learn how to do anything. And what I think works um, best is, well, in, in our community anyway, um, are, you know, step-by-step tutorial videos. And what I realized is that there are a whole lot of them, but they're done really quickly. Um, you know, they're not really in a, in a teachable uh, format, meaning somebody will you know, take a t-shirt and show you how to copy it, but they don't really give you all of the other things that you need to learn, like how to sew that knit, what needle to use, what thread to use. And so, um, I think that the more information you provide in your YouTube videos, the more successful they are. Um, so we've had, uh, you know, a, a lot of really good, uh, feedback from, from the YouTube channel. Um, I also, you know, find that people are most in, are interested in, who the person is that they're following. And I talk about this when I talk about being a blogger is, you know, you have to be able to let people in. And I'm actually a very shy person. Um, and being, you know, starting the Mimiji style blog has forced me to have to kind of come out of that shell because when I'm, when I, you know, I'm going somewhere or I'm speaking somewhere, people want to talk to you and, and uh, take pictures. And I'm usually the person who walks into the room and then stands in the corner and hopes that nobody sees her. <laughs> Because I don't, you know, I've I've always been that kind of person. So, but it has forced me to let people into my personal life. Now, I don't, you know, ever advise people to let people in, you know, as much as I have. I, you know, people know quite a bit about my personal life and I'm okay with that. But to a certain degree, you have to let people know 
the person who's behind this blog on a more personal level because people don't follow blogs. People follow people. Um, and you know, people become loyal to other people and, you know, having that girl next door kind of feeling that my fans have with me or my followers and having, um, that kind of connection with them keeps them loyal to my brand and really, you know, they want to help promote my blog and help, you know, um, promote products that I, that I launch. And I think that in your YouTube channels, the more personal you could become, the more of a connection you build with your audience, because it's hard to launch a new product without having a following or, you know, uh, um, somebody to sell it to. And so I tell people all the time, the first thing that you need to do when you want to do a business is you need to build your audience because if you don't have any audience, who are you selling to? Um, and you know, unfortunately some people don't always have the, you know, the, the time or the ability to, to see how beneficial it is to kind of build the following first and then work on the, on the monetizing part of, of your business. And, you know, I think that's totally true. And I also think it's a really good, um, point to say, like, you don't also have to be this like incredibly huge persona or Mm -hmm. like a, a natural performer or, you know, somebody who's the most outgoing person in the room in order to do that. Like you can be yourself, Um, and even if that self is a shy self, um, you know, you do have to put it out there, but like, in other words, there's not just one kind of person who's, who can build an audience and you you can build an audience and being a lot of different kind of, of people, you know, it's something available to everyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, sponsors, um, sponsorships, you know, I've been very fortunate in that, um, by the time I realized that I, well, I had sort of turned my blog and to a lifestyle blog because I like a lot of different things. You know, I like food and I like travel and I like fashion just in general. And I probably shop as much as I sew. Um, And so my blog has always kind of been a mix of both, you know, sewing and retail um, purchases and kind of, you know, home decor and, and food and all sorts of things. So at that point, I think I had been so consumed with how well the blog was doing that I really didn't even know that there was a a sponsorship thing that was happening. (laughs) You know, it wasn't until I got the the first email from a media agency who said, Hey, we have a client who wants to work with you. Um, you know, and, and this is what they, they want a sponsored post and this is how much they pay. And I was like, what, (laughs) you want to pay me to write about something? And I thought, well, okay. Um, so that's kind of when I first started to realize it. I, you know, I haven't had to, um, go out and, and, you know, try and, um, pitch a lot of brands. Um, we've, we grew so fast, so quickly that I didn't even have the opportunity to do it. If I wanted to, it just kind of, it happened for me. Um, but I've learned so many different things about, you know, working with sponsors through that experience that, you know, I tell people all the time when they say, you know, Oh, I want to work with sponsors is, you know, I, I am very careful about what I put on my blog And I really only will put something that, you know, it's absolutely kind of, you know, something I've either already tried or really love or that they've heard me talk about. Um, Because I think at at a certain point, if you start working with sponsorships and you start taking a whole lot of them that don't really have anything to do with what you're doing, you lose the authenticity of your blog. And then people don't really believe you anymore, you know, because then it looks like, oh, I'm just blogging about automotive parts, but my blog has nothing to do with that. (laughs) Um, So, uh, you know, and along with that, you know, you have to really make sure that you can deliver, um, you know, for that sponsor. 
So now it's it's become a lot easier because, you know, a lot of the media agencies, all the people who, you know, who do all of the the looking and the um, the working with influencers are all the ones who run the social media accounts. So, you know, putting yourself out there and pitching brands is a really great way to start way to start working with sponsors because. They're looking for influencers just as much as you're looking for sponsors, you know. Right. And so you can find ones that really fit well within what whatever it is that you're doing, um, and then deliver really great content, which I think is probably the biggest thing. Is you know, working with a sponsor means that you really have to deliver great imagery. You have to be creative in what you're what you're shooting and how you you know you tell their story, um, because there's a lot of competition out there, you know. And so you want to make sure that you always stand out. So I've been very fortunate in being able to work with just about every major brand that I could think of um, and and that they I do a lot of return um, sponsors. So the sponsors work with me on an ongoing basis because I provide really good content. So I think that's really the key to, you know, to getting good relationships. Yeah, because you really have to think of yourself as basically like a freelance member of their marketing team. Right. right. Like so you're bringing your skills and talents and your audience um, and you're creating, you know, it's, it's essentially an advertisement, but it's done in your voice. Um, but that's really what it is. And you obviously, that's why you run the risk of doing too many, um, and having right. it seem inauthentic. But, you know, that's, that's what you take on. And, and, you know, sometimes there's also that push and pull between how much do you promote your own products or how much are you not promoting your own products because you're promoting somebody else's products, um, yeah. right? Or somebody else's brand. Um, and so there's, there's a line there as well. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, for me, I have the, the added benefit of that. Um, my blog is kind of split in two where I have, you know, like I said, the fashion lifestyle side of it. And then I have, you know, the sewing DIY. Now I, I make my business from the DIY side of my blog. So I, I don't take sponsorships from, from a brand that would be, you know, competing against what I'm doing or even very similar to what I'm doing because then I'm taking away from my own products. Um, but you know, there are always brands that work within your, your business, um, that you can, you know, that you can promote. I don't sell sewing machines, but I partner with a really good brand. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily, you know, um, promote another, you know, um, fabric company if I'm selling my own fabrics or, you know, you have to be very careful about not taking away business from yourself, but knowing that one, there's enough to go around. Um, and just because somebody, you know, buys something from somebody else doesn't mean that they're not going to buy from me. Or if somebody follows somebody else, because I mentioned them, does it mean they're not going to follow me anymore? Um, you have to be able to give as much as you get. Um, but you do have to know, you know, when to draw that line. And because I have the DIY or the fashion lifestyle side of the blog, um, I have a you know a lot more that I could promote that doesn't necessarily compete with um, my main bulk of of income. Mm, that's interesting, right? So sometimes people too worry about um, not having a narrow enough niche. In other words, you know, if they've always been talking about one particular topic on their blog, and then they're very fearful about expanding outward and talking about something else. But what you're saying is that you talk about two things. I mean, both of them are tied together because they're both about style, but you Mm -hmm. talk about DIY and then you also have this sort of other side of it that's like lifestyle, um, where right. you're, you know, buying things and styling them and that kind of thing. And so those are two different things. And so you have products on one end and then sponsorships on the other. 
And that gives you two different ways to monetize. So that's an interesting model. um, And I think something that's worth, you know, considering, because I I always feel like if you talked earlier about, you know, coming from a place of passion, you should explore what you're most interested in. It's your blog. That's what I always say to people, like, exactly, you know, it's your blog. blog. And so, you know, that's the great thing about it is that you don't have a boss and you can explore what's most interesting to you. And that comes, that passion comes through. And so that's really the key to longevity like you're not going to quit because you don't feel like limited you know you feel like no, you can do you what you love you have to um, I know a lot of people especially in, in blogging they are afraid to add new aspects to their blog but you know one your your followers are going to tell you you're going to see it in the numbers whether there's interest or there is an interest but you're never going to know unless you you try it and if it doesn't pick up it doesn't take off people don't respond to it okay let it go try something else or just make it a monthly feature um but you absolutely have to try to add as many different aspects to your blog as possible because that gives you more ways to monetize. Um, it gives you more abilities to partner with different people. Um, and it, it keeps your blog interesting. You know, you, people, once they get to know you, they want to know more about you. Um, and that, that allows you to bring in different aspects of your life. Maybe you like home decor, but you don't do it on your blog because you don't think people will respond to it. But you won't know that unless you you try, unless you start to post and see what the reaction is. And you know what? I ask people all the time who follow me. When I first started doing that, when I started thinking of doing the Soy Academy, that's the first thing I did was go to my audience and say, if I was doing this, what would you like to see? What would you like to learn? How would you like it to you know be formatted? And if you're a blogger, you have you know, a built in audience that can tell you, um, you know, hey, we'd like to see this or we'd like to see that. And I don't think people use them uh, enough, you know, to get really good feedback on on your blog and your business and what you should or shouldn't be providing. Yeah. And that being online gives you immediate feedback, which is something that we never had before. Um, right. You literally can see within seconds sometimes whether yeah. something, whether people like things, especially on social media, um, it becomes exactly. blaringly obvious. And that's incredibly useful and powerful. So and speaking of that, let's talk a little bit about Instagram, because you're you're really successful on Instagram. You've got I don't have it in front of me, but a lot of followers. <laughs> Um, I'll look it up in a second, but, um, but talk about how you use Instagram and whether, you know, you have a strategy for that or is it more organic where you're just like, Hmm, what should I post today? Are you intentionally posting multiple times a day or curating it? And sort of what, how do you think about Instagram? Um, Instagram is my, my baby. It's my favorite of all the social media networks that I use. Instagram is the one I enjoy the most. Um, I have 241,000 followers. Yeah, I was just looking it up. You beat me to it. <laughs> That's a <laughs> lot. Okay, 241,000. That yeah. is really crazy to me. Um, <laughs> but I, I like it, so I think that it's done as well because I really do enjoy posting to it. But I do know that there are things that my audience res- audience responds to better than others. So, you know, I know that um, I have to post certain things um, that – that I know will get me one the most likes and the most amount of comments. What, and what I kind know, of things are those? Like what, what's a kind of, in your mind, like what's a kind of post where you're like, if I put this on Instagram, I'm going to get the most likes and comments. So it's always um, my either OOTDs or my DIY looks. Those are always really popular. And oddly enough, I get the most likes from when I wear clothes that is, that is um, you know, a form-fitting dress. And it sounds really weird, but women really love that. 
And I, I don't know what it is, but every time that I do it, I get a lot of feedback on it. And I, I don't know if it's, um, you know, that we, as other women, I, I, I dress for other women. I never dress for men, right? I think as women, we kind of dress for each other more than we do men. And I think that we like to see each other really kind of dolled up. And so the more dolled up I am, the more they like it. That's And I have a 90, 90% female audience. So um, I always know that if I, you know, wear a sexy little number that they're, the girls are going to go crazy. <laughs> so, oh, that is really interesting. And do you, does it attract though? So, so you have a, a, a vast majority female audience, but do you ever worry about, or does it attract sort of sleazy guys or sleazy comments? No, actually, you know what? So, but you know what, Abby, let me tell you this. This is really important in social media is how you present yourself from the very, very beginning. Um, you know, and, and I know that you can't always control everybody. And so maybe for, for every, you know, 500 comments, I'll get one guy who will say something, you know, um, inappropriate, but for the most part, it's always mostly just fans and followers who want to comment, you know, on how good I look or how nice the dress is or where the, where I can get the fabric. Because I think that from the very beginning, um, I have, you know, I, I take a certain, um, prideness in, in having a respectable blog. I don't, I don't ever post anything inappropriate. I always make sure that people see me as a mom, um, as a woman, as a business owner. And I don't allow any of that on my, on my blogs or my social media. And I think over time people have learned that if you put something stupid on Mimi G Styles blog, or Instagram, you're probably going to get blocked and deleted. And so people avoid that kind of stuff. But I think a lot of people are afraid to do that. They're afraid to delete comments or block people or say, Hey, don't do that on my, on my feed. This is still my, my Instagram. This is my house. You can't come to my house and, and be rude and impolite to me or anybody else who follows me. And so, you know, I, I made it a priority to set boundaries with, with even just my followers and my fans to really be respectful of not just me, but each other. Yeah. Um, And do you, do you curse on your blog? Do you use curse words? And I don't either. And it's interesting. And I I know that there's a lot of different opinions about this. And obviously it's your blog. People can do whatever they want on their own blogs. But when it comes to me, like I send out a weekly newsletter and and I will often get links and and save them to to include in the newsletter. And and then I'll sit down to put the newsletter together and read those links. And and if there's a, if there are curse words in the post, I don't, I don't include it because that's just not part of the way that I present myself. And I think you're right in that you set the standard of like, this is what it is in my house. And this is not how I am. So I'm not going to include it no matter how, you know, compelling the rest of the article might have been. Um, And so you can control that. You absolutely can control that you can control the people who who follow and not in the sense of controlling them, but controlling what you allow, right? um, You know, on on your social media and and on your blog. Um, you know, I built a really great community of people who are learning to sew and and people who who know that the entire purpose of Mimi G Style is to encourage each other, motivate each other, empower each other, um, you know, as women. And so none of that other cattiness stuff happens nowhere on my blog because you will absolutely be blocked and deleted from being able to participate in anything. Um, and, you know, it's funny you should say that because I tell people all the time, when I talk about, you know, building social media followings and or building your business, and it's really about how you want to be perceived. And, you know, if you 
if your entire brand is sort of that, you know, cutting edge, you know, you're maybe into that whole, you know, um, urban or rockabillies or, you know, there's very specific genres where that kind of, you know, talk is, it almost seems okay. When you see it, it kind of fits sometimes the brand. Um, and it's not as shocking, but for me, for my brand, I, I don't want to, I don't want to see it or I, I wouldn't want to do it. And mostly it's because I have small children too. Now, Abby, I will tell you, I have a terrible mouth with around my friends or, you know, here sure. in the office. And I curse as well. I mean, it's not I as curse. though I'm some sort of pure, oh, <laughs> pure person. I, I just, it, this but is about business. Want, yeah. I don't want it publicly. Right. I don't want to do it publicly. I don't want my kids to see it. Um, you know, and so, and also because I work with a lot of major brands and a lot of major brands, you know, um, right. are very careful about aligning themselves with something that could be, you know, right. bad for their, for their, for their brand or their reputation. So, yeah. you know, I want to always be seen as professional. Right. That's right. Always be seen as professional. And I think that's a great note. And so I want to make sure we get to your recommendations because you've got a couple of good ones. <laughs> and the first one is actually, um, a Tula Pink product. And I know yeah. that, um, speaking of Sopra, where I first uh, met you, um, Tula was there as well. And was that the first time you had met Tula? Yeah, it was in person. I, I've been, of course, following her for a long time. And I'm not a quilter, but I just, I love her fabric. I think she's so good at what she does. And so I was really excited to meet her um, at SoPro. And she's lovely and so down to earth and, and really fun. Um, and I had uh, seen her her hardware um, in a blog post that I was reading. And I thought, oh my gosh, those are amazing. So I, of course, um, you know, said to her, I, you know, I love your scissors that they're beautiful. You did such a great job. And she's, oh, I'll send you some. And I thought, great. <laughs> so, um, she did, she sent me an entire little kit of all of the hardware that she has. And they are my absolute favorite thing in my office right now. Um, they're beautiful. And they have this like they iridescent, are. they're like an iridescent sheen to them, which is really cool. Yeah, It's like when, when oil hits water and you get kind of that, like, yeah, Oh, it's so they're beautiful and they they cut really well. Awesome. Okay, that's great. And then you wanted to recommend an app, Instacart, and I don't use Instacart, so tell us about it. <laughs> so Instacart is my favorite app right now, and it's for it's like busy mom salvation because sometimes I'm at the office and I need to get home, and I'm already running late, and I know I got to make dinner, and it's like, okay, do I really want to have to drive to the grocery store right now? And pick up what I need, or can I just get on my Instacart, place the order, and have somebody deliver it to the house so that it's there when I get there? So let me tell you, Instacart has become my best friend. For $5 delivery charge, I can go in, pick whatever I need from the grocery stores near me, and somebody brings it right to my door. It's like the best thing ever. Okay, that is really nice. I, um, <laughs> I'm kind of addicted to, um, to Amazon Prime, sort of for the same reason, not for groceries, oh, but yeah. for all the other things in my life. I'm just like, I, I order everything online because I have yep. three kids in a business and that's crazy to try to, you know, take my kids to the shoe store. Are you kidding me? There's no way. <laughs> it's not happening. Like everything exactly. comes from Zappos. I just am not going. So, um, so that's a good one. Okay. And your last one is actually a sewing machine, Ovation by Baby Lock. Oh, yeah. You know, we just outfitted the studio with new baby locks and um, I have the Destiny sewing machine and I wanted to upgrade my serger. So they sent me the ovation, um, which is like, oh, my God, it's like the Mercedes Benz of, of sergers. 
and I'm obsessed. It, it's funny because I've never in my life needed a manual for, for a sewing machine. I kind of have always just played with it long enough to where, you know, over time I figure it all out. I had to break out YouTube videos <laughs> to figure out what well, over ser- Searchers are like notoriously tricky. <laughs> So it's we forgive you. The serger, it's like all it it has all this space to the inside of the machine, which is fantastic. Um, and it's it's a monster. But I, I had to like seriously sit down and like pull up YouTube videos on the baby lock site, like, okay, walk me through this because I, I don't know what I'm doing here, but it's amazing. It's my awesome. new favorite toy. Awesome. It's always good to have a new favorite toy. That's great. Um, Well, Mimi, it's been really great talking with you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Walshy Naps podcast. Thank you, Abby. It was my pleasure. And you've been listening to the Walshy Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Visit my blog, walshynaps.com, where you can sign up for my email newsletter to get the best in sewing, blogging, and small business delivered right to your inbox each week. And this Walshy Naps podcast was brought to you by Spoonflower. Are you running a small business selling handmade goods? Spoonflower Pro is a premium service designed for business owners, frequent orderers, and prolific designers. When you join Pro, you unlock free standard shipping, half-price rush shipping, unlimited half-price swatches and samplers, faster guaranteed turnaround times, and so much more. It's a secret weapon for creating better margins and faster service for your small creative business. Walshy Naps podcast listeners can get 15% off your next Spoonflower order with the code ABBY17. Restrictions apply. Learn more at try.spoonflower.com slash ABBY. Thanks, Spoonflower. And if you enjoy the show, tell a friend about it. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time.